Good afternoon. It's a joy and a blessing to be here. We're very thankful to have many visitors with us. Uh, if your Bibles aren't already open to Acts chapter 20, uh, I'd ask that you'll open them there with me now. About 36 hours from now, I'll be driving Eric to the airport so he can go make preparations for, for his family uh, to move down to Puerto Rico the following week. Though I, I don't always show it, I, I tend to be a very emotional person, Aaron can tell you that. Um, and so the last several weeks, having Eric and Jen living with us as they prepare to move ha- has been uh, a difficult um, time for, for me in a variety of ways. It, it may sound kind of foolish, perhaps it is, but it, it, it's difficult to prepare emotionally for life without people while being around them 24-7. <laughs> um, and so I've really been struggling to process this transition uh, emotionally over the past couple of weeks. When Aaron and I moved to Pittsburgh two years ago, I, I joked with people and said that we were moving here despite the fact that Eric and Jennifer lived here. Um, but nothing could be farther from the truth. If it hadn't been for Eric and Jennifer uh, being here and reaching out to us, there's no way we ever would have seriously considered coming to Pittsburgh in the first place. Uh, and I, I, I've joked with Eric and Jen and, and Kyle and Katie that they kind of gave us the bait and switch, that they uh, convinced us to come here and so that they could all leave. But e- even with them moving on, uh, as I look at the brethren here around me, um, I see what God has been doing among us. Knowing what we know now, uh, Aaron and I would have made the same decision in a heartbeat um, because you all have become our family, and we're very thankful for that. And so as hard as it is to think about Eric and Jen moving to Puerto Rico, we are thankful that we can find peace, comfort, and hope in our farewells as Christians. And today I want to focus on how Christians can say goodbye. To some extent, this sermon is really, for me, (laughs) a product of my own struggle through some of these things um, as I think about Eric and Jen departing. But I hope that it will be helpful to all of us in this particular situation, but as well in in many situations that, that we have and will face as Christians as we have to part ways over time with our brethren, with our family, with our own children um, as they leave. How is it that God empowers us to say these goodbyes in a way that is constructive and glorifying to him? I, I think there's no better place to focus on this than Acts 20, where Paul thoroughly convinced that this is the last time that he's even going to see these Christians face to face, has some very instructive things to, to say to them. Uh, and I think what he chooses to say in this situation uh, is something that will be very beneficial to, to all of us uh, as we think about this. First of all, I, I want you to notice here in Acts chapter 20 how, how much Paul talks about himself. It, it might almost seem that he's a little bit self-focused in a lot of what he says, but I, I think why that is is because he is trying to leave an example behind for them. We, we see this um, in verse 18, beginning. He says, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time 
Um, he says in verse 20, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. He says in verse 20, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 26 and 27, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now in verse 33, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. Why, why does Paul feel the need to remind them of all these things about his own work among them? Uh, you know, we might almost read that and, and, and think, well, Paul, a lot of this is about you. But I think we see the reason for that down in verse 35. He says, And everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said is more blessed to give than to receive. Why, why is Paul taking the time to talk about all of the things that he had done among them? Because he's not going to be among them much longer. He's not going to be able to go in and out among them. He's not going to be able to be there at their assemblies. He's not going to be there teaching them. But he wants to leave in their minds a very clear picture of his example, of what a disciple is intended to be, so that even when he's not there among them, his example might continue to live on among them. We see this time and time again in Paul's interactions with, with brethren throughout the, his epistles. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Paul tells the Corinthians, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17 to the church in Philippi, he says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He says to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards your, you believers. Paul could continue to write letters to them, and he did. We have the book of Ephesians that he even wrote to this very church, perhaps. But we see that Paul recognized that the most powerful thing that he could leave with them was not just his words, but his life, his actions, his example. And so Paul had been very diligent to, to uh, show that example to them in his three years with them and to remind them of that example. And, and we see here the type of things that he wants them to remember, that he wants to leave with them about his example. Verse 19, he says, uh, how, how serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Here, he wants them to remember his humility, his endurance, verse 20, and also in verse 27, he wants them to remember his passion for the gospel and diligence to teach it in all of its fullness. Verse 24, he wants them to remember his courage and selfless sacrifice in the face of death, even now as he expects that he may even die in going to Jerusalem. He says in verse 35, in uh, everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You wanted to remember his generosity and his compassion towards the weak. And so I want us to think about this in a couple different ways. Number one, as we think about others 
parting from us as we think about Eric and Jennifer leaving and going somewhere else or we think about in time to come our, our children leaving our home and going off on their own or, or whatever separations may be, I, I think we need to think what, what example do we want to be leaving with those who depart? What do we want them to carry with us about what they have seen from us day by day? You know, will it be more about the fun experiences that we shared and the places we went and the gifts we gave and the funny things that we said? You know, not that those things are are wrong within themselves. Certainly, we, we cherish many of those memories. But more than that, we need to be very diligent to make sure that what we're leaving behind Uh, is an example of character, of the character of Christ, different ways in which we have reflected his character in our interactions with others day by day. And so as Christians, we need to be very conscious of what example we are leaving with others. As Eric and Jen go to Puerto Rico, what, what do you want them to remember about you and the example that you have left for them? And as we think about Eric and Jen leaving us, I think we need to recognize we're, we're losing a very significant part of Christ's body here. Um, a unique set of talents and resources, strengths and weaknesses, perspectives and attitudes. How, how do you compensate for such a loss? And that's something that we've experienced here more than once with others moving away. How can you take a part of the body that's so intricately twined together with the rest of the body, knit together, and take it away, and the body still function the way that God intends for it to. Well, that does happen, and God knows that that will happen, as as, uh, Paul himself is departing from these people in Ephesus. But I think the way that we compensate for that loss is to allow that example to continue to live on in us. Uh, We can carry forward their compassion and commitment to sacrificial living, their zeal for unity and peace, their love for the needy and oppressed. When we part ways with other Christians, we need to think about what of them we can carry on in us. And I think that's exactly what Paul is urging these brethren to do. And so I'd urge you to think at this time, what part of Eric and Jen's example what part of the examples of other people that have been in your life, other people that have even moved on from this congregation, are you going to seek to carry forward um, for the well-being and the growth uh, of Christ's body? But Paul also leaves them with an exhortation. And we see this in particular in verse 28 through 31. He says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Paul not only wanted to leave these brethren with a lasting picture of his service to Christ, but with an exhortation ringing in their ears. After three years of hearing Paul's admonitions day after day, night after night, you think that these brethren might have had a pretty good idea what Paul would say in any given situation. 
right? Day and night for three years, urging them, admonishing them. There are going to be a whole variety of, of challenges and dangers that this flock is going to face moving forward. And Paul is not going to be there to help them with those challenges. He's not going to be there to, to work through those conflicts. But his exhortation here is that they be mentally and spiritually prepared to handle each of these challenges as they arise. Many times the, the problem in our spiritual warfare is not simply a lack of knowledge, a lack of, of knowing what we need to do. Many times it's a lack of focus, a lack of, of attention and watchfulness. Uh, we know the right thing to do, but in the moment we get caught off guard and go down the wrong path without stopping to consider whether or not it's the path that God wants us to be on. And so we see Paul here urging them, wanting this reminder to, to be in their ears as they face these different situations, uh, to hear Paul's words coming back. This is what Paul would have said. And we, we see this type of departure many times throughout the scripture. You think about the book of Deuteronomy. The entire book is Moses' farewell address in some ways to the people of Israel. As he is reiterating the covenant and reminding them of the commitments that they've made to the Lord. Uh, as they go into the promised land and he's not. You think about Joshua 23 and 24 when Joshua says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When, when is that in Joshua's life? That's at the, at the very end. This is, is what he wants to leave these people with. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel, as they've now appointed a, a king, and he is no longer going to be functioning uh, in the same way he has, his sons aren't going to uh, take up the mantle after him. Samuel has a, a speech reminding Israel who are, they are to be, the commitment that they've made to the Lord. David to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2. Um, and Jesus himself. In John 13 through 17. You think the night that he's betrayed, as he washes the disciples' feet, leaving them with this lasting example that they can keep in their mind as well as those instructions, his prayer in uh, John 17 for unity, all of these things, uh, things that he wants them to remember, that as they think back on Jesus' uh, message, that these will be the things that come to mind. And so as we think about this in our departures, uh, in our farewells, if, if you had one last exhortation, to give your family or your brethren before you departed, what would it be? Whatever it is, don't wait to give it until it's time to go. Paul says, I've been telling you this night and day for three years. We need to have the type of relationship with our children, with our brethren, with those that we seek to influence, that by the time it comes for us to depart, they could tell us what we're going to say <laughs> before we leave, right? That we need, even now, to be giving those exhortations um, to encourage one another, preparing for one day when, when our children will go out on their own, when we each will part ways. It, it's been uh, a year and a half, many of the brethren here uh, know very, very closely Kyle and, and Katie Fisher, who were here um, just a year and a half ago. And 
there have been multiple times in the last year and a half that whether it be in a Bible class or a men's meeting or, or, or just a, a regular conversation, uh, it's come up, well, if, if Kyle were here, he would say, and I think that, that's a good thing. Um, not that we would ever think of, of what anybody here has to say as authoritative or, or, or something that, that you know, we, we should go by necessarily. But what that shows us is that Kyle and Katie had the impact that they wanted to have. That even now, as we encounter different stations, we, we think, oh, well, if Kyle were here, <laughs> this is what he would say. Here, each of us have different strengths and weaknesses, different perspectives, and, and, and to leave that behind in such a way that, that we can carry that with us, I think is really what God wants us to be doing. As, as we lose a part of our body, that that part of the body will, will be taken up and that that will live on as, as we continue to work together. And so let's give serious thought both to the exhortations that we are leaving behind with others, but also we need to give thought to uh, the exhortations of others that we want to carry on? What influence of those that have parted from us are we going to seek to carry forward? But Paul also makes the point here that it's not just one exhortation or, or one point that he wants them to carry forward with them. Paul didn't ultimately just want them to remember this one exhortation, but the full purpose and counsel of God that he had passed on to them through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Acts 20 and verse 20. He says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Later on, he reiterates this in verse 27, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. He says, I, I've given you everything you need to know. There's nothing that I've held back, nothing that I've failed to emphasize that needed to be emphasized. You know, maybe there are a few exhortations in particular that stand out in our minds, but Paul's attitude is that I, I don't want you to just remember some of it, I want you to remember all of it. We see a very similar exhortation to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We don't just need some of it, we need all of it. And so as we seek to influence others, we need to make sure that, that uh, while there may be certain things that are called to mind that, well, Kyle would have said this, Eric would have said this, really at the end of the day, we, we need everything. We need all that God has to say. Uh, and so it's understandable that we may have soapboxes at times, that this is something that, that we want to make sure that we emphasize. But we need to seek to, to reach a point where the entire scriptures is our soapbox, right? Not just part of the scriptures, but everything that God has to say is something that I'm passionate about and that I'm seeking to emphasize. There's a, a comedian, a Christian comedian named Tim Hawkins. And I, I don't know if you all may or may not have, have heard this before, but he talked about how he was asked to sign his name on some things. And uh, somebody came up to him and said, well, write your favorite Bible verse uh, along with your signature. And so 
he was kind of caught in the moment, and, he, and he, he knew what his favorite Bible verse was. It was Psalm 34 and verse 8, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But he couldn't remember the verse reference at the moment, and so he said, well, you know, I'll just write down a psalm. All, all the psalms are good. Uh, and so he wrote down Psalm 38 and verse 7. And then the next person came up, and he wrote Psalm 38 and verse 7. Psalm 80, 38 and verse 7. Uh, well, he, he got home that night, and he said, you know what, I should probably look that up. And he, and he opened it up, and the verse said, I have a painful disease in my loins. <laughs> you realize he just wrote that on, on everybody's uh, signature. Um, and I think that's a, that's a humorous thing, but I, I think maybe there's a point that we can get from that. The Bible isn't just filled with, you know, nice, joy-filled, quotable statements that we can embroider on a pillow, Right? It includes the good and the bad, um, the, the hope and the suffering, the, the blessing and the hardship. And so instead of viewing the scriptures as, well, I'm, I'm going to sign my, my favorite scripture here. You know, maybe next time we sign our name, we should write Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Because <laughs> that's what we need. We need everything. We need all that God has to give us. And so let's not neglect to talk about and develop every aspect of biblical character. And so while we may think about uh, Kyle and Katie or Eric and Jen or others and, and, and what in particular from their example we can carry forward with us, I think that the greatest exhortation that we need is to carry it all with us. To carry every aspect of what God desires of us the whole counsel of God. And that gets to our, our final point, and that is that when we part, we entrust one another to God. I, I, I considered just focusing on Acts 20 and verse 32 today, but I want to conclude with it. Here, Paul makes this statement in verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You know, Paul throughout this says, by, by God's grace, I've, I've done what I can. I've left you an example. I've left you an exhortation. I fully equipped you with the whole counsel of God. But here in verse 32, he recognizes my confidence in your future is not based on how good of a job I've done. My confidence in your future is by entrusting you to the hands of the Lord. That he's going to guide you. He's going to be with you. He's going to bless you. This word commend, I commend you to God or entrust you to God, is really the, the literal idea of, of laying something before somebody on a table. Sometimes it's used to, to, to give somebody a meal. You lay it before them. And here what, what Paul is saying is, I am laying you before the Lord. I'm putting you before him and saying, here, God, this is yours. And it is your power that's going to protect this. It's your uh, ability that's going to bring this comfort and hope and guidance. I think that's a powerful thought, especially as we think about one day our own children leaving home. Or as we think about new converts um, who have committed their life to Christ and are, are going out different places into the world. You know, when you think about your, your children 
leaving home, certainly, you want to teach them the whole counsel of God. You want to fully equip them. You want to leave them with your example that they can think back to what mom and dad would say and what mom and dad would do and that to be something that's going to draw them closer to Christ. But at the end of the day, you're not always going to be there to hold their hand. The important thing is that they're holding God's hand and that you're entrusting them to the Lord. And when that is our confidence, when that is our trust, we can know that they are in good hands. And I think the same thing when we think about new converts. You know, f- five out of the six people uh, that we had a, a hand in, in baptizing this year aren't members of, of this congregation. And part of me worries about that. Part, part of me thinks, well, you know, I, I want to be there to, to help them in their growth spiritually. I, I, I want to uh, be there to, to encourage them and, and build them up. Uh, I, I want them to be in the safety of this flock as they grow. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's good and right that we seek to, to at least bring them into c- communities of, of the Lord that are going to help them in that way. But at the end of the day, our confidence comes from the Lord himself. That his spirit is dwelling within them. And that as long as they are clinging to him and being nourished by his word, they they will grow into who they need to be. That it's not entirely up to me to make sure that they get where they need to be spiritually. Although in any and every way that we can, we need to be seeking to build up and encourage those individuals. But at the end of the day, that's not where our confidence is. Our confidence isn't in how well we can help these people grow, but how well the Lord can work within their lives. And I think it's really interesting here in verse 32. He doesn't just say, I commend you to God. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Here, this idea of of putting you in God's hands, but he also says, to the word of his grace. Many times we think about ourselves as holding the word within our hands, but the picture that we have here is the word holding us within its hands. That we are entrusted to the word. And that it is able to nourish us. And it is able to guide us. And it is able to protect us. We, we need, as we think you know, about new converts, as we think about Kevin and Bailey and Kyle and Jared and Michelle, uh, what's most important is not that they're hearing my sermons but that they are in the hands of God's word. Because at the end of the day, uh, it's not what we provide, but it's what God provides within his word that is going to help each of us grow. And as we think about Eric and Jennifer moving to to Puerto Rico, um, more than anything, what's going to help them is to commend them unto God and to the word of his grace. That God is going to hold them within his hands. And that his word is going to provide the nourishment and the strength and the guidance that they need in that work. There's nothing wrong with recommending books or podcasts or TV programs or YouTube channels or other online resources that could be beneficial. But what we need to commend people towards more than anything is God's word. That's where the power is. 
That is what is going to strengthen them. And if we think that they require something else, um, then we may have a skewed view of what it truly means to be a Christian. Um, Certainly, there's no doubt within the scriptures, how are they going to hear without a preacher? There's a role that God has given his people in encouraging and in strengthening one another. But at the end of the day, where the power is, where the confidence lies, is in God's word itself. And so, uh, let, let's be careful about recommending this or that or the other. More than anything, let's be recommending people to God's word. But that's where they're going to find everything that they need in their lives spiritually. And so when life takes us away from our brethren and loved ones, let's make sure that we are entrusting and commending them into the hands of God, into the hands of his word. It's what is able to build them up and give them an inheritance among those who are sanctified. And so, um, Eric and Jen, as we send you on your way to Puerto Rico, we want to commend you to God, and to the word of his grace. I think there's no better way to do that than exactly what we see these brethren doing in verse 36 uh, when they uh, knelt down and prayed together. And so I'm actually going to ask Eric to lead us in a prayer um, uh, as we near the close of our lesson. Let's all bow together.